What is it that we need to ask right now in this time that is according to the nature and will of Jesus that we can pray together uh, as a church? Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. Well, we continue in John's Gospel today as we're in the Easter season and looking at the ways the resurrection works its way into our lives. Caleb left us off last week with the great text and the great message from the Good Shepherd that Christ is continually searching for us, that He is the one that we learn to know, we recognize His voice, we relate to Him in uh, these very close ways. And so just a few chapters later in John's Gospel that uh, Dr. Clayton read for us, we have what begins uh, what we call the farewell discourses. So this is like Jesus' last moments, his last meals, his last conversations with his disciples before he's going to the cross. And so he's talking back through all of the major themes of his ministry. He's washing their feet. He's sharing a meal with them. And he's reminding them why he came and why he did what he did. And he's starting to tell them that he must go away. He's reminding them that I have to go away. And the disciples display a lot of confusion. They pick up on certain details, but they're still very confused about others, which is sort of, we understand this. Following Jesus, there are times that we, certain details we just wrestle with and we struggle with. And so the way John tells the story here, just in this text, in these, this chapter, we have uh, four different disciples asking four different questions, and they're trying to wrestle with how this works. Uh, just this last Sunday, as we were sitting in our living room and going through the worship from home uh, guide, and as we were worshiping together as a family, we finished our, uh, the benediction and, and everything was finished in our, in our service. We had watched the sermon and we had prayed and we'd gone through all the stuff with the kids. And uh, we had YouTube pulled up, of course, and that's how we're going through this. And so, uh, and I remembered as I was finishing, you know, closing that down, the service, I remembered that I wanted to show uh, Amberly, my wife, the uh, a Jimmy Fallon little bit on Girl Scout cookies that I thought was hilarious. And I'd already shown the kids, and so I was subjecting them to my dad humor. And so I was, as I was pulling this up, uh, our son... Uh, who is 12, he immediately, uh, he stands up and he walks over to the table where we've been lighting a candle to remind us of the presence of Christ. And he blows out the candle before I have a chance to start the Jimmy Fallon video. And he's got this grin on his face and we all look at him like, Ethan, why are you doing that? And he said, I just can't let the Holy Spirit hear this. He's wrestling with the presence of the Holy Spirit, and he, he knows that God is with us. And so we're trying to parse out the details of how exactly is God with us in the person of Jesus Christ uh, as, as, as we wrestle through these resurrection questions. And so we turn to this great dialogue in, in John 14. So Jesus has said, uh, hey, I'm going away. I must go to the Father. I'm going to glorify. The, uh, I'm going to be glorified. I'm going to the Father. And um, they begin to ask, you know, Peter asks, well, Jesus, where are you going? And Jesus says, well, where I am going, you can't come with me yet, but you will follow in a little while. This is at the end of chapter 13. 
a little later you will follow. And he continues to comfort the disciples. He begins to speak to them, and he says how chapter 14 starts. Do not let your hearts be troubled. What a great word. Trust in God. Trust also in me. He's reminding them that it's, it's, there, there's, it's natural to have some anxiety as we contemplate these things, as we wrestle with following Christ in the world. And he says, look, you don't have to be anxious. Uh, let your hearts be at peace. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And then he gives the great comforting words, uh, starting in, in verse 2. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. We often read this text at funerals and for very good reason. It reminds us of the hope that we have in heaven, that Christ has gone to prepare a place for us where we can join him later. And even though heaven, in John's theology and in Christian understanding, heaven begins now because heaven is essentially wherever Jesus is. So if we believe that Jesus is with us, as he promises that he is, then heaven has already begun for those who believe in Christ. However, there's a... uh, way of experiencing heaven, the fullness of heaven that only comes later on, either when Christ returns uh, to judge the living and the dead or when we are no longer living in the body and we go on to be with the Lord and we have a new resurrection body. Uh, Either way, that comes later, but it's a great comforting word to know that Jesus has gone, that he's ready for us, he's prepared a place for us, and he's reminding his disciples of this fact. And he tells them, he says, hey, you know the way, by the way, to the place where I'm going. And Thomas, with his great question, he says, "Um, we don't even know where you're going. How in the world are we supposed to know the way? And Jesus responds by saying, Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is telling Thomas, he said, look, the place where you're going and the way to get there are merged together. I am both the means and the end. I'm the goal of your faith and I'm the way that you get there. I am the road that you must travel on and I'm the destination. I'm the final place. I'm the end of the road. I'm the race and I'm the finish line. Jesus says it's all wrapped up in me. I am the way to where you want to go. And so you know, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Two major themes in John's gospel are life and truth. And so Jesus saying, I am the way, I am, uh, it sort of of summarizes and wraps up. And it's another way of saying, I am the truth, uh, I am the life. I'm the goal, I'm the telos, I'm the end of everything that you seek and everything that you're created for. And I'm also the way that you get there. The conversation continues by Philip saying, uh, God, you know, Jesus, will you show us the Father and we will be satisfied? Jesus responds, uh, Philip, have you been with me all this time and you still don't know me? Uh, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And so he's just, again, reminding them, if you've seen me, you've seen the nature of God. You have seen God, but I must go away. The words that I speak to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. 
But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. What in the world does this mean? I remember the first time I read this, and I could not figure out how that was supposed to work. Jesus says, I go to the Father, and it's going to be better for you, because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Uh, and actually, you will do the works that I have done, and you're actually going to do greater works than these. And when I first read that in my earliest understanding, I thought that meant uh, greater, more spectacular, more powerful, like we're going to do things that uh, you know, we've never even heard of in reading the stories of Jesus because it's going to be greater. Uh, and of course, Jesus is referring to not that we're going to do something more spectacular or better than what he did, but just that we are going to do greater works, that greater things are going to be done. Jesus knew that when he was incarnate in the flesh, walking the earth, being on the dusty roads of Palestine, he could only be in one place at a time. And Long before we were ever here in Nolan County or wherever you are uh, as you're watching with us today, uh, Jesus knew, you know, and he, he already had a heart of love for us and he wanted to reach us all over the world, all the ethnic groups, all the different languages of people that existed then and that exist now. And he wanted all of us to know the gospel, the good news that Jesus loved us, that if we believe in him, that we can have life in his name, that he is the way the truth, and the life. And that message is for everybody. And in order to get that word out to everybody, and in order to show how that life is lived to everybody, it was going to take an army of people. It was going to take the church to carry that message into the world. So Jesus says, my body in the world, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will now be the church. It will be the gathered church all around the world in all the different tribes and tongues and nations and you all, Jesus tells his disciples, y'all will carry that message forward. Those are the greater things that we get to do as a church. We get to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's our mission. It's our hope. It's our goal. As we share the gospel with one another, we're doing the greater works that Jesus talks about. As I was reflecting on this idea of doing greater works, I was reminded of, and it's very appropriate, I think, on Mother's Day, of Mother Teresa. Teresa of Calcutta, uh, who we know about, and, and she was actually canonized uh, by the Catholic Church, and she, her stories are just so captivating. She was a person that left everything to serve the poor on the streets of Calcutta. Uh, she never had children of her own, but she was called Mother Teresa. And one of Mother Teresa's mottos was to do small things with great love. She said not everybody can do great things, but everybody can do small things with great love. Every person can do that. And that was just one of her life mottos that she taught everybody and that she definitely lived that. And I think of the different calls on our lives and the different vocations, the jobs and all of the things that we've been called to and how we have the opportunity to do small things with great love and therefore fulfilling the mission that Jesus is leaving us with, that we will do greater things than these. We will do the same kinds of things that Jesus did. Uh, we will spend time with the kind of people that Jesus spent time with. We will love in such a way uh, that Jesus taught us how to love. He even says that. He says, hey, this is a new commandment that I'm giving you. And the world is going to be able to identify you as the church by the way that you love each other. 
That's going to be the telltale sign is how you love one another. Verse 13 is how the passage ends here. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that my Father will be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me anything, I will do it. This is another one that at the onset just seems so strange. What does it mean to ask anything in Jesus' name? We establish that doing greater works than these simply means being a disciple. It means uh, being a disciple and making a disciple. There's no way for us to be disciples if we're not also making disciples, sharing the life of Jesus with even just one person. You know, one person who maybe is not as far along in the faith journey as you are, as you have been discipled by others, as I have been discipled by others, and we begin to share our faith with others in ways that teaches them how to be disciples. That's part of our work. And as we do that, part of learning to do that is praying in the name of Jesus. And Jesus says, if you ask for anything in my name, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Again, that's one that was just like hard to take at first. Does that mean that if I want all the power and the privilege and never want to be sick and I want to have everything that I ever wanted in life and I never want to have any struggles, then I can just ask for all of that and stamp the name of Jesus on it and it's all going to happen? Well, we know that's not the case. That's using Jesus' name actually in vain. Uh, but what Jesus means by uh, anything you ask in my name, I'll do it, is when you pray in someone's name, I mean, it's a wonderful thing to pray. And when we say, we finish our prayers and we say we make our prayers or we pray these things, God, in the name of Jesus Christ uh, who loves us. We're instructed to do that. It teaches us to do that in the scriptures. But to pray in someone's name means to pray according to their nature and their will. So to pray in Jesus' name means to pray according to the will of Jesus it means to pray according to his nature. So as we continue to follow Jesus, we learn about the things that he loves and that he values. And so we ask things according to his nature, praying in Jesus' name. What is it that we need to ask right now in this time that is according to the nature and will of Jesus that we can pray together uh, as a church? In conclusion, uh, I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says about praying in Jesus' name. And what Bonhoeffer says is that we really know if our prayers are in Jesus' name, if they follow the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. He says, if we pray according to the structure and the heart of the Lord's Prayer, we will know that we are praying in Jesus' name. And so if you think about just those petitions as we go through there, and even one of those being, you know, not our will, but your will, God, be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, you know, forgive us as we forgive others. Give us the bread. Give us what we need to make it through the day. Make us generous. These are great petitions to pray in ways that teach us to pray in the name of Jesus. So what does it look like for you and for me to be a disciple, to, to make disciples together? What does it look like for us right now? What will we ask? What will we pray that's according to the name of Jesus that will make us effective and loving disciples in 2020, right here, right now. Amen.